0: Hi, this is Dr. Lee Piccarello inviting you to tune in to The Head Game, a must-listen show for athletes and coaches of all levels and ages. Mindful Athlete Training in Newtown, Pennsylvania is a mental circuit training program that prepares the athletes to perform at the highest level of today's game. Athletes get into the zone faster and stay there longer. Oh, we are players in The Head Game. We are. That's right. And it's game on again in the arena of ideas we do and we go to so dr lee picarello and just ferdinand ready to play game how on. are you foxy ready to go it's uh show me the money how are we rolling rolling uh, with it what's that
1: i know that movie Hmm. jerry Maguire. You that's do. right
0: <laughs> you do that <laughs> show me the money help me help you right that's, that's right. right that's right that's what it's all about Well, that's one of the things that it's about today. It's one of many things it's about today. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, our discussion today is going to have much to do with what has been, uh, it was announced on Monday. Uh, We're just going to, you know, dive right into it. It's the Fair Pay to Play Act It's coming out of California, and that's no surprise because, you know, California likes to think that they're a a tad bit more progressive. It's also presently where one LeBron James is located, which also has much to do with this, in my opinion. Um, What our discussion is going to be today is because it's been made so analogous to paying the athletes to play in a slightly different manner is it fair or not and it is a one of those more polarizing topics that kind of Allows the person to get on one side of the yard or the other with the fence in the middle. There is no real gathering, leaning over, sharing some common space with your neighbor, feeling that you can kind of connect on this topic. You either believe in it wholeheartedly or you are against it and you think it's bad for the game. So we're going to take a deep dive into it. when you think about the pay-to-play, fair or not, how is this going to affect the generation that has yet to be for our our young athletes? Uh, the amateur youth, the youth sport movement is already under scrutiny because of parents, because of uh, financial pressure um, to get to a particular level much sooner the emotional development that is commonly connected with these athletes and how they so desperately want to get their name in the spotlight a level of assumption that they might make we've covered it all in head game discussions but now with college athletes having the ability to make money what is it going to do regarding their passion to play the culture of the school in which they are representing, how we as fans watch after they receive some type of compensation, whether it's for their name, their image, or their likeness. That's really the blanket of the law. How this has developed is, for years, the NCAA, through contract relationships with the NFL, with Major League Baseball, Um, with nba the amount of merchandise that's being sold players jerseys the amount of fans that are attending that it's no secret that the ncaa is a billion dollar organization and there is no surprise that there's been for years decades pushback from professional athletes of how if in fact they had an opportunity to make some type of money that their lives would have been uniquely different. How will this affect how we view games? Will this increase the numbers of athletes attending different colleges? Are we gonna see more of a gravitation to the West Coast or more specifically states that are now endorsing this? Other states have already talked about passing similar bills. There's also an introduction for a national bill to blanket the United States. And what are the pros and cons of paying college athletes? Because that's the big one. Pay to play, fair or not. But before we get into all of that, before we start to grind out this topic, we're going to get a little Morning Mindful News from our very own Jess Fergdon. Good morning.
1: Good morning. (laughs) Hmm. So, I I just had to talk about... Playoffs. So the 2019 MLB postseason is underway, and there's a lot of there's just a lot of things happening right now. Just, we can just go to yesterday about the things that happened. And first, I'm going to talk about the Phillies because they're still kind of relevant because we have a lingering. <laughs>
0: well, they're why, well, they're relevant because you know there's some unanswered questions about yeah. uh, management, about the general manager, uh, about ownership, really, and you know uh, what is the the fate. Uh, of certain individuals going to be, which is then going to, uh, as it always does, roll downhill and impact the players, impact the organization, and therefore the fans, right? So there's a lot of thirsty Philly fans out there that that still want to get their thirst quenched because they don't yet know, uh, especially with, you know, the bringing on of Harper, where this organization is headed.
1: Right, so... I'll say it are we going to fire Gabe Kapler or not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that that kind of leaves a what are you going to do with Matt Clintack, but that's on its own and then yesterday the New York Mets fired their general manager or their their manager. Manager. Manager.
0: Yes, 2 years.
1: Which is the exact same position as Gabe Kapler. Right. So 20, now.
0: 20 games above 500 after the All Star break. And they did better but than us. Too little, too late. I think his overall record in two years was less than 500.
1: Yes. Right? So ultimately, it's kind of like the same kind of situation. And the Mets went ahead and said, you know, you're, you're done.
0: Right. So Whole now lot of I talent. There
1: was even more fire going into Whole the Whole lot of Phillies. potential,
0: right? But you haven't delivered. And as we all know, uh, you have about two years three tops in yeah. this league, really in any league, to get something going.
1: It's it's just an interesting situation. I don't know what's going to happen, but we're obviously going to see. I think now that the Mets did that and there's even more fire going into all of that nonsense, I think by next show we're probably going to have maybe an answer, hopefully. Um, the other side of this is the playoffs are actually happening right now. Game one of the National League happened last night, and now it's just everything's happening. But there was a story So there's all this And we talked about this in the, Before we were starting And there's this mental There's this mental endurance that happens This motivation that happens That you don't really see before Maybe And you have someone like Ronald Acuna Who doesn't run out Through the bases last night Which ultimately loses a run And they end up losing the game And it's just interesting to me Because so he's a rookie If you're not familiar with who he is well, he's not a rookie anymore. Last year he was a rookie. He won one Rookie of the Year. He's a very good player. This year he's, you know, still a really good player. And he, and this isn't the first time they've probably told him about this at least two other times. So now you have leaders of the team, the manager of the team, are coming out now saying like, yeah, he probably should have ran, and you know he shouldn't have done that. Right. Uh, so it's just, it's just strange to me that he's that he did that in a playoff game.
0: Well, I, I think it has a lot to do with where you are mentally. You're using concepts, right, like, like endurance. Um, you're, you're, we're, we're talking about things like the right mindset. Um, are you fully prepared to play? Are you identifying a sense of urgency, right? These fall under those categories of intangibles that we have so many times on the head game discussed Uh, It's really uh, the investment that we've made in trying to establish ourselves as a unique constellation of skills that we create at Mindful Athlete. Um, It's helping those athletes get the very most out of all other aspects of themselves other than their physical ability. And it's in the playoffs because there's so much more focus and therefore associated intensity that we start to pay attention as a collective fan base as to why didn't that happen when we know it should have. Yeah, Because it's established as a norm, right? You're going to run the ball out, right? That's something that's established in Little League. That's something that when you're running the bases is really emphasized at the developmental level. That should be almost built in in this time. So if it's not happening, what's the explanation?
1: I mean, I think even Bryce Harper in the, our last game ran through the base as hard as he could. I don't know if it's experience or what. I mean, in, in late... August. I know that the manager for Acuna actually took him out. He he sat him for a game because of this. So I just find it interesting. I'm now I'm interested. I'm going to watch his games and see because I don't I don't really understand it with everything that you're saying. It's still playoffs and he's still young, so it has to be like like I, I want to win. You know what I mean? Like why his is his mentality laxative and
2: right well i think
0: it has it, it can be explained as potential youth potential lack of experience or simply your mind is not where it should be at the time in which you need it the most and this kind of goes back to what a lot of major league baseball teams have heavily invested in the mental preparation of the athlete but we we can look at the spectrum of how the mental coach is assisting it can have much to do with the assessment of if an athlete is ready to make a transition from the minors to the majors, are they struggling for a particular reason? The, the, the classic medicine man explanation constantly comes to the surface. Even though we are we, we'd like to think that the mental prep of these athletes is a proactive method that we want to help these athletes simply get better at what they do before there's a problem, the stereotype still remains that you go see a mental coach when there's a problem. And I don't know how many times small mental errors need to take place for someone to realize that it simply needs to be woven into the fabric of how things are done every single day. Just the way that you go and you work out you attend the gym. A Major League Baseball player would never ever imagine playing a playoff game or even a regular season game without going into right center field and warming up. They would never ever imagine doing that. A pitcher would never ever imagine going into the game without warming up in the bullpen. We are physically preparing our bodies, but we're not doing the same for our mental preparation. Why? Why is that? Because it's assumed that the mental prep, it's assumed that the mental stance these athletes have is established, is rock solid. Why? Because they're a professional. That is so untrue. And I think it's in those moments where you see examples like that that you're speaking of that allow us to ring the bell and momentarily just get our attention as to why we need additional support. It's not creating a job for yourself. And I understand that sometimes when I pound this pulpit, it can be interpreted as such. But the evidence really is right in front of us. It's how these athletes unfold. It's the demeanor in which they have. Their inability to explain why they're not doing the most fundamental things. And you say, well, that's just the athlete's personality. That's just kind of how they're built. That's just kind of hardwired. Well, guess what? We can develop that. I was on my drive-in today, and I was listening to Foxy have a conversation about player development, and the best teams invest the most in player development. Well, guess what? It's not just about identifying talent, because the higher you get, the talent pool levels off. It's about maximizing the talent of those individuals within that four-year window, seizing the opportunity for the athlete so that whatever potential they have – physically is being matched equally with a mental preparation that not only is going to get them to the bigs, but keep them at the bigs. And it's something that as long as we continue to watch and we see mistakes that are being made without real relevant or rational, I should say, explanation, we're going to continue to have this conversation.
1: Yeah. And then speaking of our topic, you add money into the equation, which can, I don't know, either take it positively or negatively, depending on the person, but we're going to get into all of that. Money
0: is that factor that has a lot to do with how it's impacting us, and and I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but it's really about the psychological impact that this money has, because the monetary gain, the financial benefit, we can't deny how long it's been established for these athletes that they could, in fact, benefit from making some money. Especially when you think about the the athletes that are coming from more impoverished areas that have been struggling socioeconomically, right? You can't dispute that anymore. You also can't dispute that athletes in today's world have a much more difficult time to make some money before they become a professional as compared to their peers, when you think about an artist in college, when you think about a writer, when you think about an IT entrepreneur, they all have the ability, while they are students, to garner and generate income based on their quote-unquote talent, right? But the athletes, they've been, no pun intended, hamstrung. And speaking of physical injury, it's a quarter past the hour, and you know what that means. Week in and week out, he calls in. He's devoted. Let's let's just face it. He's a good guy. He's got knowledge. He's got insight. He's got passion, which is a phenomenal combination. He's our own Coach Cal, and it's time for Coach Cal's corner. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good morning, everybody. How's everybody there? I'm good, man. This this is this is a topic that I can very easily. Um, start to start to pound the pulpit on because there's so many uh, as I said earlier in my intro, polarizing opinions um yes. we're we're discussing uh this past Monday, Governor of California um, passed a bill the fair play to play act um, and we're we're really talking about its fairness we're talking about what it is uh meant to by design to impact our athletes how we as the rest of the world that are non-athletes that therefore make us fans because we are attending we are watching we are discussing and all of the distance in between Uh, a, a lot of former athletes no surprise are weighing in the ncaa is weighing in politicians are weighing in lawyers are weighing in uh, everyone has an opinion, so we want to we want to get our little piece of the opinionated pie on this topic. Um, <laughs> Coach, what do you think about the Fair Pay to Play Act? I think it opens up a huge can of worms,
3: um, and uh, my fear with it is is that we there's such a, a trickle down effect that's going to be. How can I, I'll put it to you this way. I think it affects a very select few, but it impacts everyone. Um, and
0: what I mean well by that said. is. Well said. What's that? Well said. You like that, huh? I do like that. It gets right to the point, man. It cuts yeah. right to the bone.
3: So I, I think, you know, there, there are going to be a, a very small percentage that benefit financially. And, you know, probably get some pretty good marketing. Um, But I think when I say it's going to impact everyone, I think it's going to affect team dynamics. I think we're going to continue to uh, spawn this me culture. Um, I think it is going to um, create even bigger prima donnas sooner in life. I think it's going to also affect... Not to mention the parents. um, Oh, forget it. And I was (laughs) working my way down that ladder, actually.
0: I'm sorry, Um, man. I had to to get after it, man, because (laughs) you can't really talk one without the other.
3: No, you're 100% right. And that's why we work so well together, because we think alike. Um, But, uh, you know, I I think it it affects college recruiting. I think it affects how you coach now. What kind of impact is there going to be now? You know, not that there hasn't been influences outside of the programs, but. You know how how are these kids that have agents in high school now going to impact that whole recruiting process? How is it going to affect coaches decisions because now we have this athlete who is essentially you know professional at the college level and uh, you know does he need to get a certain amount of touches if he doesn't get his touches is he going to turn into an Antonio Brown you know what?
0: Is he going to demand I mean, a trade? Is he going to pick up and exactly. relocate? Yes. Is he going to is he going to take advantage of the the transfer transfer porthole? And, yeah. and and do a lateral move. Our our, our yeah. is going to be recruiting. Forget high school, man. Now, now you've got uh, agents that are looking, to, you know, to represent in middle school, in grade school, because they're, they're, they're physical they physical phenoms. I mean, right. it's gonna it's gonna take an entirely different slant into the uh, the local PRBL recreational basketball league uh, when when you've bad. got uh, when you've got a mega agent over in the corner fetching coffee. For the sixth right. grader,
3: right, right, um, and and you're gonna you're gonna have all these parents and kids seeing dollar signs and and you know people just taking advantage it's of them, perpetu- that it's
0: gonna six year old who Ugh. you
3: know their six year old who's uh, seven feet tall and is dominating CYO basketball is gonna be a pro. Well, he's dominating because he's seven feet
0: tall and the rest of them are four feet.
3: Yeah, it's gonna, you know so it's, I mean, it's gonna be I it's don't know going
0: to perpetuate the delusional. Is what yeah. it's going to do, which yeah. goes back to the prima donna, which is one of the characteristics. There are so yeah. many uh, negatives that can that can develop from this. But we're going to try to flip the other side of the coin. Let's take a collective breath. Let's take our toes back off the edge from the uh, the insanity of abyss, the abyss of insanity. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so for <laughs> right now. I just me- I messed up my my bodies, my oceans, and my bodies of water. <laughs> let's take a moment and just back ourselves off the edge. Let's talk about the benefits. Let's talk about the pros. What do you see as a potential benefit of the pay-to-play act? I really don't know what I see as
3: a benefit, honestly, because um, I, I look at college athletics as as a pure form of athletics to an extent, obviously, but it's the last I guess last level of playing a sport because you really love it. And obviously people are playing also with the hope of maybe getting to the next level. But um, if you talk to, and I'll get back to your point. I just want to make a point here. If you talk to anyone who's spent any time at the professional level, the majority of them, at least the majority of the ones that I've ever dealt with in 25 years, will tell you it's a different game at the pros because now it's a business. And a lot of them have lost their passion, like the passion that drove them to where they are, because now it's all about the money. It's about the bottom line. It's about winning. It's about statistics. So the game changes, and I'm afraid that's what's going to happen at the the college level too. And, again, it's only going to happen for a select few. Uh, So anybody listening out there, don't think that you know every kid that's playing – you know, uh, Levittown Little League right now, or, you know, wherever it may be, YMS soccer, that they're going to go and, you know, get paid. It's a select few that's getting paid. But, Cal, so I So the mean, benefit, I mean, back to your question, the, the benefit, I don't really see what the benefit is other than that, you know, a select few are going to make money on it. Um, and it could maybe put this whole discussion to rest. I, I,
0: what you said, I'm earlier. open to
3: hear other views, but I don't really see it.
0: What you said earlier of it benefiting a few but impacting all, I think is profound because it doesn't matter that only the very rare few are going to benefit from it financially because it's the crazy pursuit of the brass ring, of the pot of gold. That we already know because of what we do in our everyday lives. When we see these athletes and we see their parents, of how collectively delusional our society has become. Oh yeah! In the pursuit of the next level of becoming a pro, there was a statistic that I heard on a major network in preparation for this show that there are uh, out of the five hundred thousand. High school athletes, 1% go pro in basketball. Yeah. And 2% in other collective sports go pro. Yeah. You think about that for just a moment and the staggering numbers the odds against it's the it's the you've heard it the the analogy many times it's it's like the the percentage in which you have the likelihood of getting struck by lightning right and then getting struck by lightning multiple times <laughs> <laughs> right but but yeah. it just because it exists and just because that large You can make money off of your name, likeness, or image carrot that has been dangled. Now, it's really, it's just a free reign of pursuit that's going to impact the masses. Yeah. So, I think one of the benefits is because... In those very small percentages, if those athletes have in fact the opportunity to make money, the only benefit that I can see, which is really the crux of the foundation of any professional athlete that has created a platform or has made a very strong opinion as to why this Fair Pay for Play Act is a good idea, is that when you think about other people in college... Other people that are non-student athletes, that are part of that university, they, in fact, can get reimbursed, Cal, for... I I heard a story that Jay Belis, who is an attorney, who who provides his counsel very eloquently to a, a host of media platforms, spoke of his daughter, who is a very talented artist who sold some paintings while she was in college for, for right. fairly good money. And they were very proud of her. Think about the the, the, the Zuckerberg Facebook. He started that while in college. It was an entrepreneurial right. effort. He, he never went back to school. He went to California, you know, uh, and, and just exploded. And now he's one of the most uh, influential people on the planet. So all right. of these other people... Doing what they do can make money based on their talent. But for some reason, the student-athlete, in accordance with the NCAA, and because I once was one, they have been hamstrung, they have been put on the sideline, and not been allowed to create that. So as far as equality is concerned, I think that's a human nature win. But I think that's really the only positive that has been right. established, and the negatives so much more outweigh. Yeah, and uh, one of the things I want to
3: point out is, and your examples are you know dead on, but again, your your examples are still individually based. And when you're talking about athletics, you're not talking about an individual; you're talking about a team. Um, you're also, you know, referring to situations where. The, you know the, the artist did the work on her own not a, at the college not with college equipment zuckerberg the same thing because if they did i believe in most schools if you do anything um with college equipment they own whatever you produce so you have to be very careful with that too so it's uh, you know it's, it's i get it you know the, the kids outside of athletics because and i always say this to parents the college experience for an athlete is very different than it is for you know the, the non-athlete. It's completely um, and, different, and this is just another example you know for you know that you gave. They can do other things. The non-athlete can do other things, and and again pursue their passions in a different way. But um, yeah, no, I, I totally I agree with what you're saying. But it it it's it's different. It's different. It's different for the athlete. You know the the setting is different. Um, the whole arena of, of what's going on for that athlete is different, so yeah, I mean, I get it, but
0: how do you see this? I, I don't
3: see a lot of positives. I don't see a long list of positives How That's do you see sure.
0: this impacting the concept of preparation at the high school level in anticipation of you know you you start to get around sophomore junior year, you maybe get a tap on the shoulder, you might get a little ink in the local newspaper. Yeah. Someone starts. There's a little whisper when you show up at the gym, like, "Hey, there's that kid. You know, he's he's the one I was telling you about." And you start to get this reinforcement as an athlete. You know, when I I was up at Lehigh in the very small Patriot League, this is before uh, there was an automatic bid into the NCAA former one AA tournament. We just had our regular season. You know, we go six and zero my senior year, and we're stacked up against Holy Cross, which is still a full scholarship program from right. uh, from a uh, a head coach a Mark Duffner head coach led organization who went on to the University of Maryland and we get all this we were ranked top 20 uh in the country for the first time in, in decades, uh, we, we were anointed as preseason uh, favorites to win the Patriot League. It was going to be the game of the year, um, that there was national coverage, uh, so I got a very small taste after that game, even though we lost 43-42, I'm on crutches because I had a bad wheel. Three kids come up to me and ask for my autograph.
3: <laughs> now, you
0: know, it's one of the more special highlights in my, my amateur athletic career. Sure. And it, it, no, com- it, it completely blew me away, right? Yeah. And it, it actually made me feel, in my small little pocket of the Lehigh Valley, that little taste of fame. And I, yeah. think, I think there's so much more that can be effectively communicated to our young athletes. that it. It's not about the money. It's not about compensation. It's what that does to the athlete and how it impacts them. Cal, sure. talk to me about what you see as a primary hurdle for you in your craft and what you do with, now this is 2023, right? So this is when yep. our kids are roughly January 23rd. Yep. sophomores in college, right? If I'm doing my math right. Yeah. I think how, so. how is this impacting you and what, what your craft is over at KPA? Um, I, I, I think it's, it's
3: a positive thing for both you and I. Um, I think that you know, the, the parents that push their kids now with the idea of scholarships is going to get even bigger because now they're thinking dollar signs. So uh, it's not only... Can my kid get a scholarship now? But, you know, maybe he or she is going to make some money out of this and we can all benefit from it. So I think it would only enhance what we do. Um, I think people would start to be more receptive of the, the mindful athlete training perspective uh, because they know that this is what's done at the pros. And this, you know, if my son's going to be pro, he has to do this or she has to do this. Um, and that being said, I would hope that it would also bring awareness to all the charlatans out there that uh, market themselves as strength coaches as mental uh, athlete trainers um who really have no credentials don't know what they're doing are just stealing people's money so i hope it would uh, you know from a standpoint of what we do um bring light on to who is really cr- credentialed out there who really has the experience and the ability to help these kids be their best, rather than, you know, just getting them fit. You know, we're making them the best athletes that they can be physically and mentally, where a lot of other individuals and programs out there are really just doing a fitness program, uh, which doesn't really get you to where you could be. Um, the other thing is, and, and I, you know, I, I have to bring it up, and I know it's a, a sore topic everybody keeps talking about equality but what about the female athlete everybody always looks at it from a you know a football baseball basketball standpoint from a male perspective but what about the female athlete you know there's not much professionally for them after it are they going to be as attractive as the male athlete for these opportunities um, so um, you know I don't want to get off the topic but you know that's something that has to be considered as well but from our perspective I think it it should only enhance what we do and like I said I hope it draws light onto all the the phonies that are out there that are just either stealing people's money or hurting their kids um I don't know I mean I think it could be good I don't want to benefit from something that I really don't believe in at the college level but you know my whole perspective is that I wake up every day to make you better than when you were yesterday and it's to get you to um, experience your maximal athletic potential. So, regardless of what your intentions are, we have uh, you know a, a certain mission, a certain passion, and we're always led uh, and, and driven by that.
0: Cal, my man, thanks so much, brother. I appreciate it. <laughs> Is it more about the money? Money, money, money. Hey, play. Head game continues. Dr. Lee Piccarillo. We're back. So, uh, just during the break, you kind of mentioned, give me a, a quick recap of what went down at KPA last night. You, you did a little oh. one-on-one mental strength training.
1: We did. We worked with the Fit Lights, which we usually do on Thursday nights. Thursday nights is a mixed athlete group, so it's a good way to get every sport that's in there to do something that's good for every sport Um, but we did work with one athlete we work with him about 20 minutes 25 minutes after the session's over he comes back by himself and he loves it he's like what what are we doing today what's the mindful thing we're doing today and um, we decided to go over what goal setting was and we helped him figure out a short term long term goal he's going to come in with it written down and then we walked him through a progressive muscle relaxation meditation because he really likes meditation. Do you know that
0: goal setting is the number one mental skill for high level athletes?
1: No, I didn't know that.
0: At, it, at its most simplistic level if you are not doing something that is goal related every single day at the highest level you're not really working. Yeah, And that, that's really true by the way in life. If you uh, you consider yourself to be a self-starter. If you are a, a relatively well-motivated individual. If you don't have a goal within the goal, like what's your goal today? Well, I'm going to go to work. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to do what I have to do. I'm going to do my job well. That that only gets you so far. But it's really the goals within the goals. It's how do you want to go about work? What do you want to do specifically? What are the skills required of you while you're on the job? And within those skill sets, how can you find small pockets of improvement? It's the number one mental skill that yeah. high-level athletes use.
1: We all, I also went over realistic goals mm-hmm. so we can understand. And, and what short-term goals were. People, kids aren't really familiar with what goals are.
0: Right. Foxy, let's uh, let's hear from the experts here. When we talk about the Fair Pay to Play Act, is it fair or not? This is what it's all about.
2: Schools will not be paying salaries to their athletes. Instead, for the first time, players will be allowed to sell the rights to their names, images, or likenesses to outside bidders. They can even hire an agent. So players could get paid from things like video games, autograph sessions, or TV commercials. Payment could also look more like a local business giving a couple thousand bucks to a hometown athlete at a Division three school. The idea here isn't new. The Olympics have used the same model for years, but back in February, California State Senator Nancy Skinner decided the Olympic model would work for college athletes. Skinner says her aim was to give them the same rights as any other student on campus what other billion dollar industry could rely on college students as the source of their revenue and deny them any type of income she recently said this is the only billion dollar industry that has so far been able to get away with this california schools and the ncaa itself strongly oppose the bill because it would make it illegal for colleges in california to follow the ncaa's strict amateurism rules
0: The first thing that I thought of when I heard that was Bruce Jenner on the cover of a Wheaties box. Because the one thing that I overlooked, um, I had not really tracked the brewings of this. This has been tossed around for the last couple of years. And I mentioned earlier LeBron James... Uh, what I'm just going to call reality show platform, which is um, the setting is a barbershop um, where they're sitting around talking about really the advantages, the disadvantages um, that currently exist in the culture of the athlete. Um, obviously, this one's speaking more to the early disadvantages. And he would go on to speak about if he had the opportunity, because he and his mother, when he was in high school, had relatively nothing uh, to be endorsed to receive some type of monetary gain for his name, for his image, for his likeness. He, he doesn't know if he would have actually considered going to college. It was a, it was a slightly different slant. Whereas the opportunity to make the money as becoming a professional was so glaring for him in that time in his life that there really, it wasn't a choice. It was a no brainer. So when you think about how this starts to impact athletes across coast to coast, the nation, and you're hearing what's now becoming more readily available, which is what we spoke of earlier, legal representation in the form of an agent, younger and younger to make more uh, gain based on what people are identifying as talent. What is the bottom line that we as a society identify as the most important Because when you see these athletes on paper or you hear of their lives or their backgrounds, it's a no-brainer that money would help. But what does money bring? Yes, it brings financial support, but as we've heard many, many times, does it bring happiness? Does it provide the security above and beyond the obvious? Which is when you now you go to the athletes to tell the stories of attending colleges. On full scholarship, by the way, which I'm going to talk about in just a second, that don't have enough money to eat, that are walking around campus hungry, that are—we've uh, heard stories in the past of athletes getting in trouble for quote and quote borrowing a car, a nicer car that apparently, apparently, obviously has been provided by some type of booster. Why? Because they—it's a—it's a, a, it's a ten-minute drive from where they live to where they practice. And they can't financially afford to get on the bus on a daily basis, and the, the shuttle system is not a- available to them as an athlete, You know, whatever particular reason might be provided. All of these additional things that start to stack up, it starts to paint the picture of what we are creating is a lifestyle change earlier and earlier for these individuals. And as I mentioned earlier, while it may only benefit the outliers, the one percentage of the population, the cattle drive of hundreds of thousands to pursue that brass ring is going to be enormous.
1: It makes me think of the psychological long-term effects when you're having a... And I, I think of this really with baseball right now, with like moms and dads who are saying... That their kid's four years old But he's going to the league He's getting drafted He's not even going to college And that kid By the time he's 12 Very well may hate baseball Because of it But he's getting sponsored now And he's making money for his family I think it's gonna I don't I'm Because we see Like we talked about Gronk Who is saying that he has these clinical signs Of being depressed and, And he went through it the correct way You know what I mean? Like he did, well, not the correct way, but what we're used to, which is our normal way. And it's just making me think like there's, I don't really like taking shortcuts and it's almost like a shortcut to me. Like you're missing all of the things that you were supposed to learn in the process. Uh,
0: uh, Let's take a look at just a second of our typical model of human behavior and how we hope that adults model the way for our next generation. We don't like to think that, right? Mm -hmm. I like to think as a parent that somehow, any single person who is out there that is a parent would like to think that their contribution, their decision-making, their behavior is going to aid their child, lend them a helping hand, or at the very least provide example that that person can learn from, okay? Let's also talk for a moment about when you talk about reimbursing athletes, or providing them monetary gain, and whether it be in sponsorship, whether it be in endorsements, whether it be in alternative creative ways in which they are receiving money, okay? What is it actually doing to their personality? How is it aiding in their development? And then, what are they being faced with at a very, very early age? Let's go back to the adults that pave the way. Here are some statistics, the average salary in the NBA is $6.39 million a year. And at five years post-retirement, 60% of those athletes are bankrupt. The NFL average salary is $2.43 million a year. And at five years post-retirement, 78% bankrupt. And the average salary in Major League Baseball is $4.39 million. And they are four times more likely a population to declare bankruptcy than the norm post-retirement. So then you say, okay, that's team sports, right? To Coach Cal's point, let's go individual. Mike Tyson, his net worth at his highest reign was $400 million bankrupt. Then you say, well, Mike Tyson's crazy. Mike Tyson had troubled youth. Mike Tyson surrounded himself with not good people which is going to lend itself to making poor decisions. Let's go to Evander Holyfield, who is more of that model citizen on paper in the boxing world. Evander Holyfield's net worth $560 million. Bankrupt. Now, is this indicative of the entire population? Of course not. But what does that tell us when these athletes... Superbly gifted that we love to watch that change our lives that enlighten us to this this intellectual Conversation that we're having now that give us our own platform to develop and generate such a powerful opinion They bring all of these positive things to our lives, but these adults the models of society cannot handle the money and the interdoctrination of fame that is associated with the lifestyle change so now as a society thank you governor from california thank you lebron james now we're going to baptize teenagers grade school kids with the notion that money is what you deserve because you are an american true statement fact but what it does to us psychologically, emotionally, developmentally, it's being completely overlooked and it's going to manifest catastrophic problems. Unfortunately, Jess, we're not going to hear about most of them because as a society, we still gravitate to the outliers we still find our ways meandering to the one two percentage of the population because that's what allows us to sleep at night
1: yeah also we kind of have seen this type of giving money to the younger generation play out with child actors models singers and the statistics on those as we know are very low and they might
0: even be yeah they might even be more devastated yeah right
1: it's it's not the. It's not a different thing. They're both performing.
0: Right, Justin Bieber, Lindsay Lohan. I mean, the, he the, had
1: to completely change his entire life, Justin Bieber. Well, by the but, way, right?
0: But but when you think about how he started, and you maybe might be too young to run to remember this, Justin Bieber's discovery, I believe, had much to do with the YouTube, YouTube video yeah. of him jamming on homemade drums at home.
1: Yeah, and he's it, he sang he sang an usher song, and, and usher's family saw it. Right. So he I, he wasn't he was just having fun, right. to be honest. Just
0: having fun at home, right? <laughs> yeah. just, just pretending. And and please understand, listening audience, it's not so much about me being a naysayer to this act, but it's now my moral, ethical, professional obligation to start talking about way ahead of the bell curve the serious, significant problems that are going to manifest because of this act. Because in my humble opinion, in my small world opinion. I'm not a global megastar. I have not donated hundreds of millions of dollars. I have not generated foundations which have made an indelible impact on society. And for those people that have done it, I credit it to you. But when I see these things that are naturally unfolding and what risks we're willing to take for the sake of a very small percentage of the population, The impact that it has on society is so much of a greater problem because like the health care act that afforded health care to everyone quote end quote from a human nature from a humanity perspective is a really really good idea you know what the number one problem was with the affordable care act there weren't enough providers to help all the people that were insured And nobody thought of that. Nobody talked about that. Because it was such a good idea that made sense that you didn't think ahead. Now, I'm thinking ahead. I'm talking out loud. I'm thinking out loud. Because this is an issue that is not going to go away. Foxy, let's go to number four. This is Tim Tebow. And he is passionate, he is spiritual, and he is against this wholeheartedly. You know, as a former college athlete, that's exciting. Three. Three. My mistake.
4: You you know, I, I... I feel like I have a little credibility and knowledge about this because when I, was at the, when I was at the University of Florida, I think my jersey was one of the top-selling jerseys around the world. Uh, it was like Kobe, LeBron, and then I was right behind them, and I didn't make a dollar from it, but nor did I want to because I knew going into college what it, what, what, it, um, what it was all about. I knew going to Florida, my dream school, where I wanted to go, the passion for it, and if I could support my team, support my college, support my university, that's what it's all about, but now we're changing it from From us, from we, from my university, from being an alumni where I care, which makes college football and college sports special, to then, okay, it's not about us, it's not about we, it's just about me. And yes, I know we live in a selfish culture where it's all about us, but we're just adding and piling it onto that, Mm. where it changes what's special about college football. We turn it into the NFL, where who has the most money, that's where you go. That's why people are more passionate about college sports than they are about NFL. That's why the um, the stadiums are bigger in college than they are in the NFL, because it's about your team. It's about your university. It's about where my family wanted to go. It's about where my grandfather had a dream of seeing Florida win an SEC championship. And you're taking that away so that young kids can earn a dollar. And that's just not where I feel like college football needs to go. There's that opportunity in the NFL, but not in college football.
0: By the way, that's Stephen A. Smith that's saying that's fair. And actually, Tim Tebow, who, again, polarizing figure, has been there, drew a lot of attention for his his own personal mission, which I genuinely believe he believed in so much that he was chosen. To do what he did. That was his personal belief. But when you render Stephen A. Smith speechless, Mm -hmm. you're saying something that's spot on. And this is the other thing that's in between the lines of what Tim Tebow just said, which no disrespect, Mr. James LeBron, you can't relate to this following comment the passion that's coming from Tim Tebow is because he went to college and I'm not talking about getting an education. I'm talking about being baptized and living day in and day out in that culture. And anyone who has ever attended consistently college sports versus pros, it's a different feel. It makes you feel more human it makes you feel more connected to your community and and you think about the irony of this whole point when the 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 platforms are being established to make sure that the athletes that are blessed that have been ordained as the elite get theirs what is being overlooked i could make the argument is infinitely more valuable to the course and development of the human being of our culture And therefore our species. Because it's about the experience of being part of something much greater than yourself. You don't experience that at the pro level. I don't care how many fans are looking for your autograph or stand in line to to meet you after the game. It's a uniquely different culture. And what is being overlooked and what is not being discussed is the overall value in which this contributes to how we as people live our lives and the decisions that we make because of them.
1: Yeah, the the phrase that stood out to me is my dream school. He said, that was my dream school. And I think that's going to go away because kids aren't going to care about college anymore. They're not going to care about They used to. That used to be what drives you. Like, I'm going to work really hard so I can go to a really good school that makes me proud, that makes my family proud. But now it's like, I'm just going to work really hard because I'm going to make money. And... that's what I what's what I meant with like these like these shortcuts like now you're skipping something you're skipping a whole part of your life that you could be growing in
0: do you know what I think too Jess? that I think the more that I talk about my personal perspective that I I try to step back and 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 exhale emotionally cognitively to get some clarity we can't relate to the LeBron James philosophy or ideology
1: and he can't relate to this one
0: correct and, so, and 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 because we have not walked a mile in his shoes, we have not endured potential strife, financial strain, and the emotional and psychological discomfort that comes along with that. Yeah. I, I can openly admit that, right? But there's got to be some way, some type of happy medium, and perhaps... That's the the blessing, the silver lining in this, that, that this doesn't come to fruition technically until 2023. And yeah. other states are starting to rally. Pennsylvania throwing their hat in the ring about what they want to do, their level of contribution as it relates to the Fair Pay for Play Act.
1: Well, it, it seems We're going to need that time. Yeah, when I was watching, it's called Uninterrupted, um, LeBron James's platform that he talks on, where this actually was signed at. And he they the athletes explain how basically when they go on to their professional careers, the schools are still making like when they started, the schools were still making money. They had their jerseys up. So maybe a happy medium is when you when you move on, you get to then have your rights to your own name, which is kind of true anyway, but not with the school. Right. You know what I mean? Like maybe that like whatever you build up throughout your college career. You can eventually get
0: another separate story that perhaps we can explore is the devil that is the ncaa that has been identified as such by professional athletes looking back this goes all the way back to ed o'bannon from ucla he's one of the first pioneers who i believe took legal action
2: because jerry they tarkanian were because they were
0: using his likeness jerry tarkanian kept suing him yeah. one right so there there are grounds for this argument i'm not disputing that mm-hmm. i'm taking the head game discussion to an entirely different level to our level should i say that makes the most sense because there is grounds to have a grievance from the athletic perspective but the direction in which we're going the the intensity in which these topics create if we don't start talking about it sooner rather than later we are going to have problems
1: And now, Dr. Lee's Mindful Athlete Minute brought to you by Volvo Country with locations in Princeton, Bridgewater, and Edison.
0: Extra, extra. Read all about it. California is the first state to pass a law that allows collegiate student athletes to receive compensation for the usage of their name, likeness, or image. That's right, folks. In 2023, college athletes can get paid. It's the Fair Pay to Play Act, and it was signed by the governor of California in a, yeah, you guessed it, a shop on LeBron James' platform reality show. Now, that's a sign for the times. Now, how we determine that if it's a good sign or a bad one, that answer most certainly lies in the audience that you ask. The truth is, the Fair Pay to Play Act is not about money. Not even close. What it's really about is fame. It's the game that we're asking our athletes to play at a far younger age, with our pro-athletes declaring bankruptcy five years after retirement at an alarming rate. The theme is not a new one. And yes, before you go any further, when payment is received for name, likeness, or image, that's a professional. Are we also silly to believe that these younger athletes will magically find the tools to manage the money and the fame? How many E60 specials do we need to see to recall the massive precedent that has been established before them? It's powerful and disabling. It's not about the money because money comes and goes. It's about the human impact it has and the path that our next generation takes because of it. Now that's a haircut that's long overdue. My name is Dr. Lee Piccarello and that's my Mindful Athlete Minute.